Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. past month or so, I've been pretty rough on Colleen Barnett, the assistant DA who prosecuted Sandy Melgar. My frustration is born from two places. Number one is the fact that it's abundantly clear to any clear-thinking, objective person that there really is no case against Sandy. Plain and simple, there is simply not a shred of evidence connecting her to Jim's murder. Four prosecutors before Barnett passed on taking Sandy to trial. But when Barnett made her triumphant return to the DA's office, she was looking for a case to try. Her words, not mine. In my opinion, Barnett took Sandy's case because she was trying to rebuild her career after leaving the DA's office in 2012 due to disciplinary action from the office of the Chief Disciplinary Counsel, State Bar of Texas. She had been brought up on charges for violating in part Rule of Professional Conduct 8.04A3. Engaging in conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, deceit, or misrepresentation. I know. Shocking. So, after the most recent election and a new DA was put in place, Barnett was rehired as a prosecutor in 2017. And she decides that she wants to take what had been a highly publicized case already to trial. She would show the world what a great prosecutor she was. And, I'll be honest, after reading the trial transcripts... She is a very good lawyer. By that I mean she's very good at twisting the facts to convince a jury. It's not her abilities that bother me. It's her lack of ethics. When your case is so weak that you have to spin and distort literally everything to get your conviction, you don't have a case. You have the wrong person. Stooping to the level of misdirecting the computer forensics expert away from the computers and onto knot tying techniques tells me that she was terrified that the jury would focus on the ridiculous lack of evidence. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From Something Else, The Marshall Project, and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've seen the film. You know the game. Now, Jumanji just got real. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Featuring Daredevil Dad, Mom on a Mission. 
and the kids who can't wait to ride the world's first Jumanji roller coaster. An epic adventure awaits. World of Jumanji, only at Chessington World of Adventures. Book this summer's must-do day out at Chessington.com. While Colleen Barnett's behavior at trial was certainly frustrating and, in my opinion, unethical, it pales in comparison to her disgusting behavior after the trial. Colleen has jumped onto any opportunity to slander Sandy and Jim in any public forum that would have her. We've already addressed a lot of the lies that Barnett has spread, i.e. the red rope and cord, the fact that she didn't know why the pillow shams were in the bathroom, the fact that her blood spatter expert concluded that Jim was attacked on the chair outside of the closet, etc., But today we're going to focus on Colleen's assault on Jim and Sandy's marriage. When I invited Barnett onto our show to give her an open, unchallenged forum to present her case for Sandy's guilt, she shocked me when she stated, on the record, that Jim and Sandy were in marriage counseling at the time of Jim's murder. This was contrary to literally everything I'd heard about the couple. Then, when I challenged her on the subject, she immediately backtracked and claimed that this was, quote, third-party hearsay. So, okay, then why are you spreading this rumor if it's only third-party hearsay? The most important thing in Jim Melgar's life was his marriage to Sandy. It defined him. It truly is his legacy. The more I thought about it, the angrier I became. This woman is out shouting Sandy's guilty from the rooftops and claiming it's all about justice for the victim. But in order to make Sandy look guilty, she has taken away the most important thing that Jim has left in this world. So today, we're going to give it back. This is the real story. The love story that was Jim and Sandy Melgar's marriage. Remember, Colleen didn't just spread this unverified rumor on our show. A few weeks later, the same story appeared on Discovery ID's Deadly Women TV show. At that point, I'd had enough of Colleen Barnett's lies. But rather than just spouting off at the mouth like she continues to do, I researched and vetted this so-called third-party hearsay. My first call was to one of Sandy's closest friends. I knew that Sandy and Patsy were very, very close. If she was going to talk about issues in her marriage... Patsy would have been one of her first stops. We grew up in Laredo together. I knew her. I met her in elementary school. She was like a couple of grades above me. So my cousin, my first cousin, who I grew up like super close to, I was always at their house. I called her Betty. She called her Hilda. They were like BFF. They were always together. And so that's how I knew her. We'd go to my cousin's house all the time. And and so I'd see her at school and at my cousin's house. That's how I knew her growing up. And then, so when she moved to Houston, I didn't see her anymore. Oh, and also I went to school. I had classes with her sister and her brother. And so I knew kind of some of the family. Anyway, so she moved over here. I didn't know about it. And when my cousin Betty came to see me, she said, oh, um, Sandy lives real close to you. So I invited her over and we 
just like, oh, it's awesome. She's so close. But then she moved to North Houston. But we continued to be really close after that. We were always like inviting each other over for barbecue and we'd have parties, 70s parties. And and she had a party and we went over there and dress up and all that fun stuff. So was the, was the picture I saw on, actually, I think I posted on the fan page, but I think it must have came from you now that I'm thinking about it, of Jim and Sandy dressed up as as kind of hippies. <laughs> yeah yeah we would have such fun 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 parties they were crazy we'd have from our young sons and their friends who were you know they were like 21 all the way to our age group and everybody got along and danced and drank and had a good time you know you got to spend some time around Jim and Sandy together I presume because you got, you guys were, were really close in the in the years before and after the murder right Right. Now, I didn't see Jim a whole lot, but there were a few times that they came over together for barbecue and we had like international night <laughs> and stuff like that. So, Was it not uncommon for Jim to kind of be, you know, Liz had told me he was kind of a homebody. So was it not uncommon for Sandy to go out and go over to your house and him just to stay home? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he was a homebody, you know. Did Sandy ever seem to have any problems with that? Oh, no, not at all. My husband's the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we both understand the way, you know, we like to go and do things with our friends, have girl night or like that. And the guys just like to stay home, and watch TV or do whatever they like to do. Do you know, did she ever talk about it? You know, was, was Jim ever bothered by the fact that she was gone while he was home? Oh, no. Just like my husband's not bothered by it either. They, they're they fine with it. Yeah, I kind of figure after, in her case, after 32 years of marriage, you kind of have each other figured out by then. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So how often, did, did you and Sandy talk a lot? You know, Did you ever talk on the phone or just when you were together? <laughs> oh, God, we never shut up. <laughs> 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 we would go like, uh, sometimes I'd ask her to go with me to Laredo because I'd go see my mom. And so she would go see her cousins. So we'd take that long trip together uh, so that I didn't have to go alone, you know. So we would go, and that's like a four and a half, five hour trip. And we, we wouldn't even put the radio on because we'd just be yapping the whole way <laughs> there and back. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds sounds great. So you guys, did, would she share things with you? I mean, obviously, a lot of people have, have told us about Jim and Sandy's relationship. Every, everyone that I've spoken to has kind of described both of them as being really a fun couple and and they never see him argue or anything. But Surely no couple is perfect. When they would have issues or anything like that, would Sandy share that with you? Would she talk? Everybody's, you know, everybody's got that that one friend that they can talk to about when they're irritated with their spouse. Well, yeah, I mean, we all do. I would share things with her in private and, and she would share things with me in private. But they they were so much like my husband. We respect each other. We don't speak ugly to each other. And that's why we're married so long. You know, we just, we have such a loving relationship and so did they. And, you know, when you have a relationship for so long, it's because, you know, a husband and a wife, besides respect, you know, you have the difference between like the the good things about him 
are the the strong points and they overpower what my strong points are. So, you know, you you help each other out in those aspects, you know, and that's what makes a marriage last. And that's what they had, like my marriage, you know. So, I mean, I could never see anything bad. They They were just so loving and so respectful and so kind to each other, you know. So that's why I know that. I mean, she wouldn't hurt a flea, okay? She just, she's just so nice. And she would help me out if I needed something and vice versa. So just such a good heart, you know? And he was too. So it's just crazy that they would say that she would do such a terrible thing. You know, even the way she was with my cousin, she was always so concerned about my cousin because my cousin got a divorce and she was just always so concerned about my cousin and being happy, you know, because that was her best friend, you know, right. she just cared about everybody. So the cousin, the best friend got a divorce and she was concerned about her. Did she seem to have any issue with the divorce or I guess, you know, what I'm getting at was, you know, part of the prosecution's theory of motive was, you know, it was such a, a taboo thing for her to get a divorce. And that's why she would have killed Jim. What was her reaction to your cousin, her best friend, when she got a divorce? No, well, she wished she she wished she had never been with the guy because the guy was she knew the guy was cheating on her and stuff from the get go. So she just you know she wished she was not with him. So she was glad when when she left him. You know. Okay. Now, in in all of your years together, and and even I guess let's narrow that down to maybe the year before Jim was killed. Did Sandy ever talk to you about any issues with Jim where she was really mad at him or really frustrated with him or really frustrated with the marriage or anything like that? Anything that maybe put your antennas up that maybe she wasn't happy in the marriage? Absolutely not. No way. Mm-mm. What about marriage counseling? One of the things that the prosecutor has gone on our show and another TV show and and said that she's she's had these what she called them on our show, third party hearsay rumors that Jim and Sandy were in marriage counseling. Did you have any knowledge of any marriage counseling? Nope. I don't know where she dished that out of, but never heard of anything. No problems. Like I said, they loved each other so much. And I mean, you know, when they were at our house, they were always, you know, holding hands or just loving, you know, there was never a problem. And do you think that if they were seeking marriage counseling, that uh, that's something Sandy would have told you about? Absolutely, yeah. I would have known about it. And I, she never told me anything about any problems with, with them. No. Were you at the trial? I was at most of it. I had to work because I'm the only one that does what I do here. Uh, so I try to get to as many of them as I could. Okay, what was your your impressions of the trial as far as the process? I guess from what you saw of the prosecution's case, did they give any evidence out there that made you maybe even think twice? <laughs> no, no, I, um, you know, the whole time I would look at the jury, and when the prosecutor would say something, I, you know, I, I wanted so bad. I wanted to lift my arms up like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> to yell out like and roll my eyes up and go, oh my God, are you kidding me? You know? And I'd look at the jury and and just like nod my head, trying to give them a a signal, you know, like it's so much bull crap. 
and you know, of course, I I try to control myself, but uh, it was so difficult listening to all of that. It, it was just so unreal the things that they made up, you know, and and you know it's lies. <laughs> it was so hard to listen to, and the part that killed me the most, you know, and I've got to say this, but the prosecutor at one point. She knew that Liz was sitting at an angle from her behind her, and she lifted up several times the picture of Liz's dad stabbed and and mutilated, you know, his body all bloody and, and stabbed. And she'd lifted up, like, not in front of herself, but to the angle where Liz could see it. And Liz would just go down, and you could hear her start to sob and, and, and go down. and. I I swear, I thought, okay, if I get up and just attack that lady, what would they do to me? You know, because I wanted to kill her because I knew she was doing it on purpose. What a hateful woman. I mean, who would do such a thing? That was her daddy, you know, and and she's doing that on purpose. That's terrible. Um, Oh, my God. Yes. As in any case, I've tried to at the beginning, at least really give Barnett the the benefit of the doubt. But to me, her, her behavior post conviction is, you know, I wasn't at the trial. I can't even what you're talking about. I wasn't there. I can't really speak to that, but her behavior post conviction and the way she's handled these, you know, our show included all the media, for example, you know, spreading this rumor about this marriage counseling that clearly never happened. She's engaged with Liz on on Twitter and been very disrespectful and nasty towards her on Twitter. I just, I don't understand why. I just don't understand why she is doing the things that she's doing. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Believe me, I've, I've wondered and wondered. I even went and asked her myself, you know, because <laughs> it's driving me crazy. And I, I asked her, I said, how, how can you sleep at night knowing that you put an innocent woman in jail? And she told me, you know, I went on her Facebook and <laughs> wrote that. And she was like, well, if you can prove that she's innocent, I'll be more than happy to listen to you. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there's just no talking to somebody like that. It's not worth trying to tell her anything. I know she's a liar. And, and so uh, I just hope that you can help her and anybody that'll listen, you know, can help her. Well, I think that as we're moving along, the truth is really beginning to come out. And, you know, I, I said in a previous episode that when you have a strong case, because I, you know, I, I do this for a living. I, I analyze these cases that people claim are wrongful convictions. And what I find is if you, when you put a microscope on a solid case, the case gets stronger. You know, meaning if you mm-hmm. have, if you have the right person and if we take the investigation that led to the conviction and we look at it even closer and really scrutinize it, you know, time, technology, and attention to detail should always make a case stronger. When you put the magnifying glass on it and the case immediately starts crumbling and, and falling apart, so you know you got the wrong person. And I wish that, or I hope that, you know, because Barnett's thankfully not part of the appeals process, that the district attorney that is and the judges that look at this case see that, that when you look closer, this case gets worse, not better. And that's a that's a big red flag. And I think that a lot of people are listeners that are that are putting so much time and energy into this are seeing it. They're helping contribute to it. But I, I do want to kind of circle back with you, Patsy. Can we talk about so 
you spent a lot of time with it. In fact, I think Sandy actually was staying with you for some of the time between the time when Jim was killed and the trial. Is that right? That's correct. In the weeks or month immediately after Jim was killed, what was Sandy like during that time? Well, you know, she was she was not the same Sandy, of course. You know, I mean, I'm sure she was taking something to keep her, you know, from being um, so depressed. So I would just try to make her laugh as best I can. Because that's kind of the relationship we always had, you know. I'd always try to make her laugh and and stuff like that. We always laughed with each other and joked around. She would always tell me, you know, don't don't use cuss words in front of my family. (laughs) 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 Like what? I don't cuss. But um, no, she was just—I don't know how to describe it. We never would bring it up in front of her out of respect, you know just try to make the best of what we could with our time with her and just to help her not think of all the terrible things that happened. And um, so we would just try to distract her from everything. And so we'd have Lola there at the house and, and just um, drink some wine or, you know, and eat, of course, try to feed her because she wouldn't eat well and she was losing weight. and. So we worried a lot about her eating, you know? Yeah. Was Sandy staying with you or were you around her quite a bit during the actual trial? No, she she was with another friend. But during the trial, no, she was not. She was with two other friends that lived closer to the um, court. I live in Sugarland. Were you at the trial on the day that the verdict was read? Yes, I I got there a little late because I was at work in the morning and I wish I wouldn't have gone there. But I got there and and by the time I found the parking, I threw the keys to the guy at the parking. (laughs) I didn't even care. And then I thought while I was running to the court, I was like, God, what if that guy wasn't even from the uh, parking garage? (laughs) (laughs) So I run in and when I get there, I look around. And I find a seat and I notice that everybody looks very upset and some people are, I can hear her crying. And I asked the guy in front of me, I said, what happened? And that's when he told me that they found her guilty. And I just couldn't, I couldn't even believe it. I mean, I just started crying and sobbing and and he came around to me and he held me i didn't even know this guy and um yeah he was trying to console me and uh that's when i saw them let sandy come and hug liz and liz fell to her knees you know and god um, that was the hardest thing i think i've ever seen in my entire life i mean just the hardest thing i, I just couldn't believe it it was it was a nightmare it was i just I kept saying, I need to wake up from this, you know? I just couldn't believe it. I just can't believe that that could have happened. Hello. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It certainly doesn't sound like Jim and Sandy were having any merits problems, according to Patsy. But as a quasi-journalist, I don't feel like I could ethically state with any certainty that Jim and Sandy weren't counseling after hearing from just one person. So since Patsy mentioned her cousin Hilda a few times, Sandy. I thought I'd see oh, what she gosh, had to say. Uh, middle school. We were just best friends. We were always together after, after school weekends with our boyfriends, actually. Uh, we're inseparable. She slept over my house. I slept over in her place and uh, her grandmother's house. And uh, we were very close. You know, as we got older uh, in junior high, actually, she left to Houston and I stayed here in Laredo. And we, I would just see her during the summertime. But Sandy and Jim, I mean, when they met, they were, I mean, they were in love. And I'm not, I'm known Sandy, like I said, for a long time. And she's got the biggest heart. I mean, she gives you her shirt from her back. That's how good of a friend she was. When I would go visit them at Houston, Jim and Sandy were, they were just meant to be with each other. They loved each other. I never, ever, ever seen them argue. In fact, I was just telling Patsy not long ago that I, I remember the last time I spent the night at her house upstairs that they were just laughing in the bed. They were in the bedroom. My, the bedroom where I stayed was right next door. And they were just laughing and laughing. Like, you know, I thought maybe they were talking about me, but they were talking and laughing about maybe something that happened. I told Sandy, I mean, you all were just, were just laughing about me. She was, oh, no, no, we're talking about some when we were young. So we really didn't go with what re- what really happened, but just what we did when we were young. We were crazy when we were young. I mean, we did a lot of things. <laughs> but Sandy and Jim had a history. They, I've never in my life have ever seen them unhappy or th- or that they argued. They were just so perfect together. You know, Jim was Jim was always treated me like family because he he you know my house is at mi casa tu casa that's the way he always said it mi casa tu casa he was such a nice I mean perfect man and they were perfect with each other I remember so many things about I mean they traveled a lot when they were before they had Elizabeth and they did a lot of traveling and Sandy and I took a 2012 we took a one week. We had a road trip together and we just had so much fun talking about the good old days. We were, you know, Thelma and Louise traveling and going from one place to another. But Sandy will never hurt a fly. She was brought up in such a Christian way and her family is is just great and her sister. And so something like that, this is just unbelievable. I, I can't I can't believe that they blame 
you know, that she would do something like that. She will never, and I swear she will never do anything like that. Well, it sounds like, and just in general, but especially not with Jim. I mean, everyone I've spoken to, and I've been on the phone a lot today with people that knew both of them, they just sound like the happiest, most fun couple I've ever heard of in my life. Oh, they are. They are. And I wasn't there all the time, but the pictures that she would send me that they that they were at, you know, having a good time in New Year's Eve and or being with their friends, you know, in San Antonio, I would see all that and they were always happy. You know, they're happy together. I mean, we, we, we all have, I mean, yes, problems and little arguments, but what I saw was just everything was just so perfect. And I wish I had that kind of a marriage myself because, I mean, I went through a, a heartbreak of my and, you know, marriage. Ben Sandy would just say, you know, really, you know, just really nice things that, you know, you, you deserve somebody better and that perfect person's going to come along. And so she had like a lot of consejos, a lot of good stuff in her and Jim, too. I like the way it looked in their marriage, and I want something like that myself, you know, how they got along so well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware of, or if you've if you followed along with our reporting on the case at all, but, you know, the prosecutor has gone to our show and then, and then some other shows as well on TV and put forth this rumor that Jim and Sandy were in marriage counseling at the time. Do you think there's any truth to that? No, I, no, no, I, that, that's not true. I don't know why, what, why they even Sandy would have said something to me when we would talk, but everything, every time I asked her how Jim and how everybody was, oh, everything's very good and Jim is still working. And I mean, I'm, she's never told me anything like that. And I don't think that's true. I don't know where they got that idea. Did she give you any indication whatsoever that she had any kind of issues with Jim? No, not at all. Not at all. Every, I mean, when I would talk to her, we would talk about 30, 45 minutes on the phone, and it's always me in between my jobs. She was just, oh, everything's fine, Elizabeth is doing great, and Jim is still, Jim is being Jim. Jim is always working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either at work or one of the homes that they had that was rented that he was uh, fixing, but everything seemed fine. She's never said anything that there were uh, having any kind of uh, marriage problems because she would have said something to either to me or to Patsy. And since Patsy's there very close to Sugarland, she would have said something to her. And that's no, that's not true. Those are lies. So that's two of Sandy's closest friends, her confidants, the people that she would be most likely to vent to if she and Jim were having marriage problems. All I'm hearing is what I hear from everyone that I talk to. Jim and Sandy didn't just have a good marriage. They had an amazing marriage. A marriage that everyone around them took notice of. Again, this was Jim's legacy. He was an amazingly selfless and giving person and never wanted anything more out of life than to be a great father to his daughter and an incredible loving husband to his wife. And as for you, Colleen, that's two for Jim. How many sources can you cite for the horrible rumor that you've spread to hundreds of thousands of people? And I'm not even close to done. Another big part of Barnett's made-up nonsense that she sold to the jury and to audiences from around the world was the fact that Sandy killed Jim because if she divorced him, she would have been disfellowshipped from the Jehovah's Witnesses. And since all of her friends were witnesses, she killed Jim so that she could continue to associate with her friends. Barnett seems to be a little slow on the uptake, 
but I'm sure the rest of you have caught on to the fact that we just heard from two of Sandy's very best friends. Friends that she traveled with, hung out with, and spoke to nearly every day. And they're not Jehovah's Witnesses. If you're thinking that I'm being a little hard on Burnett, consider this for a moment. One of two things happened here, and there really are only these two options. Either she did her due diligence and actually researched Sandy's life, finding out who her friends were, what her marriage was like, and what Jehovah's Witnesses' rules are on the subject, and then lied through her teeth to all of you, and, more importantly, to the jury. Or she did no research or investigation into Sandy's life whatsoever, and completely fabricated the entire narrative to the jury to send an innocent woman to prison. Either way, Colleen, I hope that you're losing sleep every night knowing that hundreds of thousands of people from around the world are hearing this right now, and you've been exposed for your completely dishonest and unethical behavior. Now, since I don't ever want to be compared to Colleen Barnett, I didn't stop at just speaking to two friends of Sandy's. I mean, I'm fully aware of the fact that the close relationships that she has with Patsy and Hilda cuts both ways. On one hand, these were two of Sandy's closest friends. Surely, if she was unhappy in her marriage, she would have shared that information with one or both of them. Then there's the fact that two of her closest friends were actually not witnesses, which completely null and voids Barnett's theory of motive. But at the same time, I'm sure that Colleen would make the argument that these women don't know how Jehovah's Witnesses operate. And they're her friends, so maybe they would lie for Sandy. So, I decided to reach out to another friend of the Melgars. Rocio was very close to Sandy and Jim. And she's also a Jehovah's Witness. Let's hear what she has to say about Jim and Sandy's relationship. The relationship was been in paradise. And I know you heard this over and over again, but I cannot say it enough. They love each other to death. Jim and I texted, and we texted because he asked me things like, what do you think Sandy would like as a gift? Because she never wants anything. And I said, I have no idea, Jim. She's so happy. I have no idea what she would like. And so I will ask her, and she would just laugh and say, I have everything I want. Jim was always texting me, for example, when she when we get together, she, he will text me and say, is she okay? Don't let her, when we went to Surfside, he will text me and say, don't let her stay on the sun too long. He was very concerned about her. I remember, I recall one time where Jim did not go to Surfside that much because he used that time to spend with his mother. And it was basically just girls. It wasn't guys. And we were in the we were in Surfside in the beach, and I decided that we're gonna cut each other's hair because we were complaining about how hot it was. And that I told Sandy, I said, "You are so good looking, but those bangs of yours are hiding your blue eyes." So we just make fun. We I trim her hair, and I will never forget. I sent a picture to Jim, and I said, "Jim, I said this wonderful blonde girl is wondering where you are." He was there within an hour and a half. He came to their side and he said, I just, you know, I, I'm just taken by her. They're still to me in tremendous love. She refused to think that he's a widow. To her, she's still married to Jim. And in my mind, there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever that she did not do it. Why? Because 
there is absolutely no motive whatsoever. He took care of her a thousand percent. She loved him. She loved to cook for him his favorite meals. They did travel sometimes separately because he spent that time with his mom and she would travel to see her family. And that was about it. But they were making plans to uh, retire and go to the beach together. And everything I remember for Jim, I remember, I would say six years ago, I don't remember exactly, forgive me. We have an anniversary party for Tammy here at the ha- in, in my house, your house. And I remember sitting down at the end of the, everybody left with Jim and Tom and Sandy was helping me clean. I told her to just sit down because she's always suffered from problems with her hip and she was always very tired. And I sat down with Tom and Jim and I said, you know what? I said, I want to help Sandy more with her, you know, I want to encourage her more. I want to spend more time with her. And Jim said, I would love that. He said, I cannot tell you how I wish I can retire now so I can spend all my time with her. I also remember very much any desire that, for example, she wanted to change the look of her kitchen. And when she went to visit her family in Laredo, when she came back, he did all that work for her. When she had a hip replacement, he made a way for her to go to the bathroom. I don't want to say a pity party or whatever. He built everything for her to be comfortable. I never saw him fight it. And I know you're tired of hearing this, but honestly, I never saw them fight. Jim will make fun of my accent because I'm from Mexico and he's from Guatemala. And we always joke about that. (laughs) But the thing that I remember too was one time he said to me, he said, what do you think? She likes to travel. I'm not wild to travel, but I'll be willing to travel now with her now that we're just me and her. And I would like to buy a house on the beach for her because she loves the beach so much. And I said, that'd be fantastic. She says, it's very hard for her to travel. She's having more and more problems and I want to spend more time with her. And I said, that'd be great. And I knew she was thinking about a new hip replacement and he was worried about that. But he was always trying his best to make her comfortable. And she told me one time, she said, I don't know what I'll do without Jim. I never thought I can love somebody so much. And that was when my friend's Tammy's daughter, Chelsea, got engaged and we did a party in her house and we were just decorating. And I said, do you remember when we were engaged? And she says, oh, yes, I remember. So, and I said, I am so happy that this is turning out well. And she said, I cannot tell you how happy I am with Jim. I don't know what I'd do without him. I cannot begin to imagine a woman that literally needed, if you want to be cold-blooded, literally needed her for her well-being. And a man who took care of his mother, he was always looking after her. Very many times I spent the night with them. And because whatever reason, whether filling invitations for whatever party, whatever, and Jim has some Jim jokes that I would never understand. He always makes fun of my accent. <laughs> always, always ask me, what does Mexican mean? This and how do you say pie in Mexico? And how do you say? And he was always making fun of me. But all in all, I love Jim and I miss him. 
Oh, you have no idea. I mean, I'm sorry, but I just, I cannot imagine because through her, I built a relationship with Jim that I never thought I would have just because he kept asking me, help me to make Sandy be happy. And I said, she's happy, Jim. And he said, yeah, but she's suffering with so much pain on her hips with the epilepsy, with the lupus brain up. That's how we decided to have our anniversary late. What does she want? And I said, nothing but you. And he would laugh and say, me, really? And I said, of course you. Excuse me about saying this. Let's talk about sex toys. Oh, give me a break. You know, here's a woman who can barely move her hips who is in amazing amount of medication just to keep her seizures under control. Her lupus is getting into her nerve system. She's extremely tired. She's weak. And I was the one who said, listen, my husband is a non-believer. He's not in the truth. He's not a Jehovah Witness. So he said, listen, maybe if you suggest this to Jim, not to her, Maybe it will help her to feel better because it was even painful for her because of the fact that her hips hurt. She was tired. She was had a lupus flare off. She was just getting, honest to God, she was getting worse. And she relied on Jim a thousand percent. There to me, there's no motive whatsoever for her to do something like that. Not only that, but it makes no sense to me in my mind. If I, I'm looking at a cold, very cold way, like I'm not my, she's not my friend or that I don't know them. How could a woman in her illness could possibly do the damage that she did to him? And don't you think that he was able to grab her hands and calm her down and even taken to the emergency room if she was going crazy. Let's just pretend that was a case scenario. That makes absolutely no sense. The fact that she ever thought about canceling for her marriage, that's an absolute lie. And she never, ever said anything about canceling for marriage whatsoever. They were the best friends ever. She told him everything. Actually, I have an unbelieving husband. And I was jealous of that in the fact that I told her, I said, it's so great that you can share with him everything, your spirituality, your problems, everything. And even the situation with your daughter and your grandkids, everything. And he made the house comfortable for her. And he just planned everything for her. Another example which I give in the core was, he asked her what she wanted, and she said, I don't want anything. And he said, well, no, I know you like to travel, and I don't really care to travel too much, and I know you want a new car. So make a choice. So she made a choice to get a sports car, but he said, but you still can travel, honey. Don't worry about it. I thought that was the sweetest thing ever. I mean, there was nothing that Jim said to me, but wanted to please her. And there was nothing that Sandy said to me that ever remotely said they had any counseling or anything like that. They talked to each other about everything. They were the business of friends. 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. As you just heard, Rocio is extremely passionate about Jim and Sandy's relationship. She describes them as the best of friends. And again, this is another close friend of both Jim and Sandy, this time a Jehovah's Witness herself. But I didn't stop there. I wanted to hear from someone that attended Jim and Sandy's Kingdom Hall, someone who didn't have a relationship with Jim or Sandy. It wasn't difficult for me, probably would have been even easier for Barnett. Here's Marla. You didn't really know Sandy at all, right? Correct. Okay. Now, did you? You said you were you went to the Kingdom Hall with them, the same uh, the same Kingdom Hall. Yes, and one meetings in the morning and one meetings in the afternoon, and I would see them in between the meetings. And then also we did a remodel of the Kingdom Hall, and Jim was there working a lot. Okay. Did you Did you ever have a chance to have any conversations with Jim? Did you know him at all? Only in a conversation with a lot of people when we were sitting around eating lunch. Because, you know, he was like saying a lot of jokes and he was very smiling and happy. Okay. That's how I was, I was going to ask you what was, uh, what was your impression of Jim, what he's like. So he's sounds like you've described him in the same way that most everyone did, that he was always joking around. Correct. Did you ever have the occasion to see him and Sandy interacting together? I know, I know you weren't close to them by any means, but did you ever observe the two of them together? Um, yes. And when they would be leaving in the parking lot, he was always helping her to the car and, you know, being very considerate of her. Cause sometimes she was fine. And then sometimes she was like having trouble walking and stuff. Okay. Did you ever have the cane? Do you ever remember seeing her with a cane at church? I think so, but I really don't remember. Okay. But she seemed like she was struggling sometimes and Jim would always help her into the car. Yes. So when you teamed together and Jim was helping her, did Jim look like that was a burden on him? I know it's hard to tell from when you're just watching somebody, but what was Jim like when he was helping Sandy? Um, He seemed very happy to do it. He was, you know, just seemed like a real gentleman because at the time I didn't know why sometimes she was fine. And sometimes she looked like she was in a lot of pain. Maybe she had to leave because she had a headache or something. Now, you had told me uh, when we were we were talking through Messenger that you actually had gone by or you and your family had gone by Jim and Sandy's house on sounds like the day that he was murdered. Yeah, it was Sunday morning, I believe. OK, can you talk about that? What, what did you notice or what, what happened? Well, we were just out in service, knocking on doors, calling on people and. I wouldn't have thought anything about it, but then the, the next day when we heard about it, I'm like, hey, we were on their street yesterday. And I did remember the garage door being open because usually if you would leave your garage door open in the neighborhood there, someone would come knock on the door and say, hey, you should shut your garage. So I thought it was unusual. 
And so you noticed the garage door was open on the Saturday. Is that right? No, I believe it was Sunday, but I can't really remember. Oh, okay. So that was Sunday. So that was, so the family, Herman Milgar and his family came over Sunday afternoon around four. So probably sometime before that, you noticed the door was open. Yeah, it would have been in the morning, around nine, ten. And then I, I wanted to ask you too, because you, you and the Melgars went to the same Kingdom Hall. There's been this this rumor put out by the prosecution that Jim and Sandy were going to were having issues in their marriage. They were going to marriage counseling, and and I know that you weren't close to either of them and and wouldn't know if that was the case. Um, but I'm just curious why I have somebody on the phone that that went to that Kingdom Hall. What is typically the practice if someone, a member of the Kingdom Hall, had uh, was having marriage issues? Who would they usually go to for their their counseling? Well, you would probably call up uh, some of the brothers, the elders, and they would come over to your house and talk to you or whatever, and they would just try to work with you, read scriptures, and you know, just try to see what there if there was a problem, you know, make you understand what's going on. Okay. And with that information, would it be kept pretty private? Well, sometimes they might meet in the hall, and so other people would see them going in. There's like a room where they meet. Mm -hmm. It's with a large table. And so if they were having meetings with them, other people would have seen that if they were doing it there. Okay. Did, Did you ever hear from anyone that there was any issues with Jim and Sandy's relationship? Um, no, not at all. Afterwards, when, you know, when we went to think back about it, no, everyone always said they were just, they seemed happy. She was pretty quiet, but he was very outgoing and they always seemed happy and he didn't seem like it was a problem at, at all. I wouldn't, have, you know, you wouldn't have known there was those problems, uh, her health problems. If you, you know, they just seem fine. Do you think that had they been having issues and they had been seeking counseling within the, you know, from the elders within the church that after the murder and these discussions that you guys had within the kingdom hall talking about them, do you think that that would have come up from anyone that was, that was there? Yeah, probably. But everyone just, no one even thought anything about it, that there was, that she would have been involved at all. I mean, obviously the situation was really weird. That's a really nice neighborhood, but everyone just seemed to think before the news that someone had followed them home from CVS and, you know, was a home invasion, maybe someone looking for drugs or something. Nobody thought it would, no, that was like a shock when they said that she was involved, that we heard that on the news. Everybody's like, no way. Right. And I guess the last thing I want to ask you, Marla, as someone, we've had someone discuss this a little bit on the show, but this, this person was friends of the family. So from someone who's not friends of the family and can give us maybe a, a really good outside objective answer to this, within your kingdom hall, what would be the, I don't want to say ramifications, but what is the feeling on divorce? You know, the, the prosecution put forth the theory that Sandy wanted a divorce and she couldn't do that because the Jehovah's Witnesses don't allow that and she would have been disfellowshipped if she divorced him and that that's why she would have killed Jim because if she got away with it, then she could still maintain her position in the church. Not, not at all. If you were to get divorced, the only reason that you would be disfellowshipped is if you were 
uh, sinning continually because what they try to do is, you know, to help you help you come back. And it would the only reason you would be disfellowshipped is if you were continuing to sin in a way. And also, you know, so other people wouldn't be involved or, you know, other people wouldn't be hurt. Right. That that makes sense. So kind of hypothetically, and I'm, I'm sure the situation has come up over the over the years in the, in, in the Kingdom Hall, if someone that's part of the fellowship decided they wanted to divorce their spouse for whatever, you know, there's no affairs or anything. They just, they decided, you know, I want to get a divorce. How would that be handled by the Kingdom Hall and the elders? It wouldn't be handled at all. They may talk to you and, you know, just say, is that, are you sure that's what you want to do? You know, what are the reasons? But there would be no ramifications. Okay. So based on your experience with the Kingdom Hall that Sandy and Jim went to, do you buy this theory that the motive for Sandy to kill Jim was because she wanted a divorce? No way. No way. That's what an outside observer that attended the same kingdom hall as Jim and Sandy has to say about the possibility that Sandy would kill Jim to avoid a divorce. There were a lot of reasons that I wanted to put this episode together. Seeking the truth is, of course, always at the forefront. But there's a greater purpose here. I refuse to sit idly by while a shady prosecutor trying to become the next Nancy Grace purposefully and intentionally destroys the reputation and legacy of an amazing man. One of the founding principles of this show used to be announced at the beginning of every episode. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing, 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 nothing. We may have new music, but our mission is still the same. We will not sit back and do nothing. Not now, not ever. This is what needs to be said today. Jim Melgar was not just a good man or even a great man. He was one of a kind. He was a man who loved only one woman for his entire life, and he loved her so deeply that he would, and ultimately did, give his life for her. He was a husband that other women dreamed about, but none of them would ever draw a glance from him. He only had eyes for one woman, the love of his life from the day that he first tugged on her long blonde hair in study hall. He loved, cherished, and honored his wife until the moment that he left this earth. That is the legacy left behind by Jim Melgar. Jim Melgar. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Mike Bussing is our executive producer and Shane Yoder is our sound engineer. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. Our Season 6 logo was also created by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our banner images and type font across all of our logos was created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Britta Bliss, Sarah Colby, Rachel Timberman, and Liz Rose. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. 
on the Patreon page. You can pledge as little as $1 per month. And we also have reward levels on the Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. But the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. And for all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter. The show's handle is at truthjusticepod, and my personal Twitter handle is at bobruftruth. For more personal interactions, feel free to follow me on Instagram at truthjusticepod. Don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice.